This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. So mean! Oh, snap! Ooh, she got her. Ooh, ooh. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. And we are doing a podcast sharing our childhood shows with each other. Yes, I have never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Brian has never seen Gilmore Girls. But we trust each other, love each other, and we're trying each other's shows out. And Brian, I think we're liking both shows so far. Yeah, I think so too. I think you really, really like Gilmore Girls. I like Gilmore Girls. It's good. Uh, you asked me if we could watch more episodes tonight. Yeah, I, I want to know what happens. It was such a cliffhanger. It was a cliffhanger, and the next one picks up immediately where that left off. But guys, we'll get to that. Don't worry about God, it. I want to know. What else have we been up to this week, you ask? We watched uh, The Lost Boys. Yeah, because we remembered that Richard Gilmore's in it. I'd never seen it. I loved it as a kid, but I don't love it as an adult. Yeah, I didn't really like it. I, it was fine as we were watching it, but when it was over, I was like, hmm. Yeah, it's got uh, the guy from Bill and Ted. He's uh, got maybe one line in it, does a lot of smiling. And Kiefer Sutherland. Which is ironic that Kiefer Sutherland plays the vampire in this, but his dad plays a watcher in the Buffy movie, which we're watching tomorrow. Spoilers, both on what he's in and what we're watching. I think it's okay to spoil a movie that's that old. There was a lot of stuff I didn't like about it. I didn't like Corey Feldman at all. He was, like, doing a weird voice. Yeah, the residents of the town seem to know about the vampires, but, like, no one's doing anything about it. The grandpa knew, but, like, never told his daughter for some reason. It's sort of a fun story. A lot of it's well done, but just overall, I wasn't pleased. You guys see the movie. Tell us what you think about it. Also, Richard, sorry, Edward Herman is in Annie, which I recently discovered. I watched that movie all the time growing up. I do recommend Annie. Brian, do you think we're going to have our Tim Curry party this year? I hope so. Our Tim Curry party for you guys out there who have no idea what it is, which is everyone. It's where we have people over and we all dress up as a different Tim Curry. Yeah, different character that he's played in different movies. Like Annie or Clue or Rocky Horror Picture Show. There's all kinds of Tim Curry's. Or It or Legend. I mean, they're very, very different Tim Curry's. Or Home Alone 2. Some of them are the same. I bet he wears the same thing in Home Alone 2 that he does in Clue. Loaded Weapon 1. I think that's, I'm out of Tim Curry movies now. Wild Thornberries, the cartoon. But yeah, I don't know if parties are allowed this year. Someday we'll do that. Ferngully? He was the voice of the evil oil stuff in Ferngully? Now I'm out. All right. Well, we have a lot to cover today. Should we get into it? Yeah, we should start. I'm excited. So this week, uh, we started with Buffy, and we watched season one, episode 11, Out of Mind, Out of Sight. Stacey, uh, what happened? So this is a very Cordelia-heavy episode. We get a lot of flashbacks from her, and we learn about a girl who has become invisible, and now she's like tormenting Cordelia to prove a point. Yeah, she's gone invisible and insane. Yes, Yes, she has. But she works for the FBI now, so it all worked out. Except for the people who were injured. I mean, we never really focus on the people that get injured. Bye, Jesse. You were important for a minute there. Cordelia informs us immediately that it's springtime. The big dance, kind of like the prom, is coming up. And she's campaigning to be the May Queen. When I was in high school, I was running for a class rep. And a really popular girl made fun of me when I was trying to get signatures So I got really mad, and I saw that she was running for president. So then I switched my application, and I started running for student council president. But then I gave a really funny speech, and I got to go last. 
and I touched on all the silly things that they promised in their speeches. And so I just like really spoke to the kids who were like stuck in this assembly they didn't want to be in. And I got a standing ovation and I won by like far. And then that girl cried because she didn't win. And I, I shouldn't be happy that she cried, but it was also one of the best things that I ever did. And that's what's going to happen on election day. Yeah. Buffy comes in and she trips, spilling her entire backpack of vampire gear. She's just got like everything you'd need to kill a vampire. And Cordelia's like, what is wrong with you? You're such a loser. She's super mean to her. Like yeah. she hasn't really been nice to her, but this was a lot. If I ran into a student and a bunch of like daggers and stuff fell out of his backpack, my thought might be like, maybe I should leave this kid alone. I mean, this is like a safer time when you didn't have to fear all of your classmates. That's true. Then we're in the boys' locker room. Nothing good ever happens in the locker room. No, you're going to die if you're in a scene in the locker room. So we meet Cordelia's man of the week, Mitch, who's going to be her date for the dance. These guys are like, oh, looking good. Gotta look good to be on Cordelia's arm. And he's like, oh, it's not her arm I'm looking to be on. I'm like, okay, guy, we know what you mean. Sex. Yes, Brian. And then we hear like a, a girl giggling and there's a floating baseball bat and he gets the shit beat out of him. Yeah, like with a giggling soundtrack. It was funny. It wasn't. But I didn't expect good things to happen to this guy after that. So then we're in the hallway catching up with the gang. Willow's drinking her Kool-Aid again. Willow and Xander are kind of like reminiscing about Cordelia. They remember an old inside joke they had about her, which we really don't get to hear, but it's very funny to them. I like that because the Willow-Xander relationship is really important in this show. And the first couple episodes really focus on Xander wanting Buffy. But, like, really, Xander and Willow's relationship is, like, super important. It's yeah. more important than any desires that anybody has for Buffy. That's nice. Later in the episode, he invites her over to his house for Chinese food. Because they're friends. They're really good friends. It was just not apparent in the first half, so they're trying to fix that. It really does seem that way. They're like, no, 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 guys, remember they're friends. We said it before, but now we're showing it. This is about when everyone hears the news that Mitch has been beaten in the locker room. Principal Cork is there. He's kind of berating Buffy. He's right, though. She's always, like, sneaking on the crime scenes like it's no big deal. Like, what business does she have in the men's locker room right now? Like, even if it's a normal day. Right, but Buffy goes into the locker room and she notices that on the lockers it's written look in like big maybe bloody letters. Then we catch up with Cordelia. She seems to be more worried about Mitch looking ugly than like his actual health. I mean, she's like cartoonishly shallow. It's like unreal. And then we get a flashback where she's telling her friend Harmony that essentially she's going to like test drive Mitch in the spring to see if he's like a good date to go to this May dance, I guess. And then again, giggle, giggle footsteps, and Harmony falls down the stairs. Quirk is there immediately, teleports in. Buffy follows the giggles into, like, a room. And she's, like, able to touch it and said it feels like a person? Yeah, and then that person, like, goes into the rafters. So then Buffy decides to go hunting in the school at night. Cordelia is there for some reason with her little Cinderella bird friends that are making her maid queen dress for her. What is this? Who is like making it at the school at night? Like you do it at your house and you would buy a dress. And you don't make your friends dress. What is happening? But Buffy hears some flute music and we get another flashback of Cordelia and her friends in the bathroom and there's this girl we don't know and it's Marjorie from Veep and they're like joking about a teacher and the girl we don't know makes a funny joke about this guy's toupee and they just like, do not hear her. But then Cordelia like repeats the joke and everyone laughs at her instead of the girl who made the joke. As comedians, this hits home very hard for us. 
Yes, it's the worst when you quietly make a joke that's hilarious, and then someone like kind of just repeats it, and then they get a big laugh, and you're like, "No, that was mine. That was my laugh." You can't, you can't yell that. You look psycho if you do that. Right. Giles is also at school right now, and he is in the library. He hears something. It's Angel. Angel just pops up behind him. Have these two met? Yeah, I don't remember. Maybe they were in the same scene at some point, but I don't remember them meeting. Anyway, Angel knows that Giles is researching the master, and he knows that he's on the lookout for the Codex, which is like a prophecy book about the Slayer. And he's like, I can get my hands on it for you. Giles gets his first boner. He's so happy to hear this. He's so excited. He's the biggest smile I've ever seen on Anthony Stewart's head. So Cordelia wins May Queen. She's giving her acceptance speech. Xander says something like, did Cordelia get bodyguards? Because there's these dudes in suits just sort of lingering around. Willow gives Buffy a list of dead and missing children. And how long is that list of dead people anyway? For Sunnydale? I mean, it's got to be huge. And not just the list of dead people, but people who died in ways that they're going to want to have revenge, you know? Like the principal was eaten alive by his students. He probably didn't die well. We watched it. It looked bad. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying, he probably is going to be a poltergeist. That's okay, though. He doesn't have a family. There's just that photo of himself by himself <laughs> on the desk. I don't know. Quark seems pretty upset about it. I think Quark might have been part of his family. Should we call him Principal Snyder or keep calling him Quark? I've forgotten his name. Uh, he's the one name I remember. If you didn't hear the episode where this principal was introduced and also haven't seen Star Trek Deep Space Nine, this actor also plays a character named Quark in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So to us, he is Quark. Anyway, the most recent person on this list is a girl named Marcy, and all we know about her is that she was in band. And Buffy's like, aha, the flute music. So Buffy crawls into the ceiling of the band room where she saw the girl go the night before and finds a secret little room with like a cot and a bunch of other teenage girl stuff. And she finds a yearbook, essentially confirming it's Marcy. Cordelia has a meeting with this teacher that she seems super friendly with. But that teacher gets suffocated. Cordelia pops in just in time to save her. But there's floating chalk writing listen on the board. Floating 90s CGI chalk. So Buffy's showing everyone in in the library this yearbook. And just every single thing written in it says, have a nice summer. Oh, no. Yeah, even Willow and Xander, who are not cool, know that this means this is the biggest loser they've ever seen. And they've even signed it themselves, but have no recollection of this girl. She seems fine to me. She's, like, cute. Yeah, I mean, she's almost like a body double for Juliette Louis-Dreyfus. She seemed involved. She was in band. She's funny, even if those jokes aren't picked up on. But then we get another flashback to her in class. She's just trying so hard to answer this question. She's raising her hand for everyone, but this teacher's just not calling on her. So she totally deserved to get killed, I think. (laughs) It was interesting to see that, like, Cordelia apparently is a good student. Yeah, I was shocked by that. So they figure out what's happening now. I don't really know how. There's a lot of guessing going on in here, but Giles like slams the table because he's had an aha moment. Basically, they theorize that she has gone invisible because no one paid attention to her. It's like some quantum mechanic, not magic, quantum mechanic. They justify it by saying that like the magic makes it more likely, sort of, but it's like mystical energies. And like because of the hellmouth that they're on. But the idea is that this could also just happen to anybody. Very loosely based on that, like, observing the universe has an effect on the universe. Like, you look where the electron is, and if you're looking, it decides to be there. Uh, But they're making some huge jumps about this. Like, magic is all over Sunnydale, you know? Like, there's witches, there's curses, there's spells. Like, any number of reasons could make somebody invisible. And I know that there's another way that someone becomes invisible in this show. So... (laughs) 
they just jump to crazy conclusions without knowing anything. Yeah, they kind of just pick a theory and really run with it. And happen to be 100% right. Yeah. They should just keep going. They should be like, and she's, and just see what auto-predict text comes out of their mouth. And she's over there. Well, she probably is, because you guys are 100% right. So Cordelia comes running in. She has now determined that this thing is for sure after her. She literally says, like, me, me, me. This is about me. Help me. Help me, me, me. Cordelia's a cartoon in this episode, right? She's just so over-the-top, like, popular girl stereotype. No one is like this in real Like, no one is this much. I feel like it's going somewhere, though. Yeah, I hear that. But she's now figured out that there's something weird with Buffy. She's put together all the clues from season one and also the bag of garbage that Buffy dumped on the floor earlier in the episode. <laughs> she doesn't know exactly Buffy's deal, but she knows that these guys are like up to something. So she's here for Buffy's help. I am like, okay, they're about to tell Cordelia everything. She's going to like be part of this gang of friends, but they don't. They just tell her that there's an invisible girl chasing you. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. People in Sunnydale just sort of take a lot of stuff in stride, I feel like. Yeah. And they decide that they're going to use Cordelia as bait to try to get Marcy. But Marcy is listening mm-hmm. to them. So Cordelia's getting into her dress and her and Buffy are sort of bonding. Cordelia tells her that being popular is actually hard. So hard. And lonely. So lonely. You feel like the outcast because you don't know if these people actually like you. They're just trying to be near you because you're popular. I don't feel super bad for her, but like I kind of get it. Yeah, I don't feel bad for her at all. Buffy tells her that she was popular at her old school and Cordelia is like shocked by this, but I don't buy that because in the first episode, Cordelia like sniffed Buffy out as popular material Mm -hmm. and like tried to be her friend. Then Cordelia goes silent and then gets like pulled up through the ceiling. Buffy breaks the door and sees her feet getting dragged up and just in time to see Cordelia say, help Buffy. What is happening here? Like this scene doesn't make any sense. Pulling up somebody... To, like, from the ground up into the ceiling would be very difficult, if especially if they were conscious. Right. The only explanation that makes any kind of sense is that she, like, dropped down and immediately injected her with something knockout drug, which we don't see, but I must assume happens, that, like, makes Cordelia, like, kind of tired, but not tired enough that she can't call for help a little bit later. Well, that's what does happen to Buffy. There's, like, a floating needle that injects Buffy with some kind of knockout drug. So she might have that. Meanwhile, Xander and Willow and Giles hear some flute music and they decide to just go try to grab Marcy. But it was a trick. It was like a recording of flute music. It was a trap. She's trapped them in a room full of gas. Cut to Cordelia and Buffy at the bronze. Which is still close for fumigation, apparently. Yeah, Stacey, you pointed out that they must have just used an old shot and not paid attention. And that was a while ago, so it doesn't make sense. Buffy and Cordelia wake up tied to chairs. Barely tied to chairs. Yeah, Brian pointed out that Cordelia could have easily slipped out of her wrist restraints. Cordelia says her face is numb. And then we see in big glittery letters the word learn. Another clue. Yeah, I think this is a dangerous clue. Things are about to get hostily in here. Yeah. So Marcy's there, and she reveals, like, this full tray of torture tools that she wants to, like, cut Cordelia's face with. Yeah, she wants to, like, princess bride Cordelia's face. I don't get the reference. At the end of the movie, it talks about, like, cutting up a guy so bad that everyone that sees them will, like, get sick. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But she wants Cordelia to be numb for it so she doesn't pass out. Yeah, I think she wants, like, the psychological torment of it. That's pretty sadistic. Because I was like, oh, that was nice of you to numb her, I guess. But (laughs) you're going to be awake for it. Meanwhile, in the gas room, Giles is able to turn off the gas, but they're fading fast. It's not good. And Angel rescues them. I don't know why he was just in the school, but He's thank bringing you. bringing that codex back. He knew what, he saw what it did to Giles. He was just like, Giles needs this book more than I do, obviously. 
Buffy breaks free of her ropes. She has this kind of cool uh, fight. It's interesting, I thought, because Buffy's obviously really good at fighting. Buffy can't see her, so she's obviously at a huge disadvantage. So she listens and then hits her. Yeah, I thought that was a well-done fight for the show, especially for season one. I think it was a good fight. Yeah. Although, if I'm being realistic, Buffy would like have kicked her ass immediately. Well, she puts the curtain around her so we can see where she is, and then the FBI shows up. Deus Ex FBI. Yeah. The supposed bodyguards from earlier, turns out they were the FBI. They're looking for invisible teens. That's literally what they're doing. It sounded crazy what you just said, but that is what they're doing. Specifically teens, I think. Because Buffy says something like, this is happening in a bunch of schools, I bet. They're like, yep. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. The FBI is also like aware of the magical world. This is going to be like part of the story going forward. But Bryant says no. Not specifically this, no. Because they take her to like a secret invisible teen assassination task force. I mean, honestly, that could be a whole spinoff. I'm very interested in like teens that are invisible. I feel like a lot of Buffy season one episodes ended with those sort of like cryptic, something's going to happen, endings. Is Quark in the FBI? I think Quark's in the FBI. I cannot confirm or deny any of this. All right. Back at school, Giles lies about the fact that Angel rescued them. I'm not really sure why. Yeah, I don't really know why either. Like, Angel and Buffy aren't on the outs that I know of, are they? I guess we haven't seen him since they decided not to date. Does Giles not want her to know that... He's getting book boners from Angel. Mm, I bet that's it. He's embarrassed. Cordelia comes over to thank them, which seems like very sincere. Until Mitch is like, hey, you ain't all these losers. I'm a real person. And then she immediately changes tune. Like, you think I'd be friends with them? No way. I think that she's going to be a Paris pretty soon, though. Yeah? What's yep. that mean? In Gilmore Girls, Paris was like a big popular mm-hmm. bully, and, and now there's like little hints of her and Roy being friends. Give this like four episodes into season two, I think she's in the gang fully. Spoilers for Gilmore Girls. Well, I didn't say exactly what happens with Paris. Yeah, I'll But give they're it four clearly episodes. sowing seeds of friends. Yeah. I only think that she becomes part of the gang because she's in the credits and she's like not that important she's sort of a recurring annoying character i guess right. but like it seems like they're trying to make her somewhat important also in the scene willow says like we're just about to grab lunch if you want to join us cordelia but like in high school you don't get to decide when lunch is yeah unlike gilmore girls when lunch is immediately after first period and exactly it's a weird time but you know when it is <laughs> brian do you think this was a good episode of buffy Yes. This is an episode I told you that I taped. It's like the second episode I ever saw. I recorded it and I watched it for like a whole week. Every day I would make a s'more and I would watch this episode of Buffy for like a week. Wow. That sounds a little crazy, but it was like, I was sunburned really bad that week. (laughs) And so I couldn't go outside. Well, there was also not as much TV back then. Or internet to like hang out and watch. No, you couldn't hang out and watch the internet. Yeah, I don't, that was, I mean, that's what we do though. Yeah, it's true. We literally watch these on the internet. Um, Yeah. It's just expanded a bit more than it was then. Uh, I liked this episode too. I I felt very like gripped by it. And I don't exactly know why. This one was a lot more compelling than other ones. I really like the Xander-Willow relationship in this episode. Like they're clearly good old pals. Like that relationship is very clear in this episode. Mm -hmm. I like the concept of the girl going invisible too. That was pretty cool. And it was cool that it wasn't necessarily a supernatural thing either. And I don't know that Cordelia's fully redeemed, but I like that they're sowing the seeds of her being a slightly better person. And it was good to see Angel. We know he's around. I don't know if he's around enough to get his own spinoff yet, but he's around. Oh, he will be. I just think it was like tightly written too in general. Like the clues all made sense that they found. It's good. That's it. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Meanwhile on Charmed. 
Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time, and neither of us ever saw that show. But we're going to discuss it anyway. And we're going to do that based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 1, Episode 15, Is There a Woogie in the House? Phoebe becomes possessed by an evil entity that was banished by the sister's grandmother years ago. Okay, so the title's dumb. Yeah. Is there a woogie in the house? If someone said that to me, I would tell them to leave. Is it like a wookie, but like a cuter one? It's a knockoff wookie? Yeah, I like that. How much wood would a woogchuck woog if a woogchuck could? I can't do it. That's what happens to you. You become possessed by the woogie and you have to say that poem, but it's so hard. It is hard. Okay, but so Phoebe isn't the first person that's having to deal with this. Their grandmother dealt with it. And they banished it. So obviously they must like unbanish this thing. I'm guessing Piper messes up magic since she's terrible at it. Yeah, she must have like just bumped into the magic book and then the woogie came out of there. And I'm surprised first off that Piper didn't try to date the woogie because that's all she does is date any creature that shows up on the show. Well, it's maybe a child. A woogie? Yeah, it's a little wookie. Yeah, it's like kind of like a fun, kids-oriented episode, you know? Oh, yeah. the woogie got out. Oh, no. I'm guessing he's like animated, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, it's just like yeah. a little cartoon that they have to chase around the house. And, and it's, it's funny. not because that was a choice. That's just how bad they were at CGI. Yeah, they spent all the money on the Buffy chalk. And, meanwhile, in Charmed episode 16, which Prue is it anyway... To defeat a powerful foe, Prue casts a spell to multiply her powers, only to find that the spell works by creating multiples of Prue. Okay, so this is clearly an improv episode. Yep. She went into this like trying to defeat a powerful foe, and I bet it's like a big, big foe. Yeah. But then like this- Like a giant? Like a fee-fi-fo-fum giant? Like a fee-fi-fo-fum giant, but it just goes so horribly wrong that she creates this whole improv television show. Right. Prue casts a spell to make herself big, but maybe she's been watching Piper do magic too much, and she like messes up and creates versions of herself that look like Ryan Stiles- Kind of, you know, like a taller Prue and then like a bald Colin Mockery Prue. And then so it like, still looks like Prue if she were like wearing a Ryan Stiles costume. Right. Okay. Well, maybe just one of them is the real her. Yeah. And then her sisters come to the show and they're like, oh my God, which one's Prue? But we all know because the other ones clearly look like Wayne Brady, Colin Mockery and Ryan Stiles a little bit. Mm. And like Prue is just herself. So we're like, why can't they tell? I'm guessing some magic is down so you can't tell which one it is and they have to figure it out just based on their improvisation style. But it's a really good improv show. Everyone has a great time, including the powerful foe. And he, like, forgets all about the fact that he was there to destroy them. Stace, we have discussed some crazy ideas for what might have happened on Charmed. Yeah. But I have to say, that one makes sense. Right? Yeah, that's probably what happened, actually. It's probably spot on. It's a crossover episode. Yeah. This has been Meanwhile Uncharmed. So then we watched our two episodes of Gilmore Girls, season one, episode 15, Christopher Returns. And episode 16, Star-Crossed Lovers and Other Strangers. Let's start with Christopher Returns. Brian, what happened? Okay, so this episode is essentially Rory's dad, Christopher, re-enters their life and wants to maybe be a much bigger part of their life, but maybe he and the family aren't ready for that. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He seems super nice, right? Right. But he's clearly like the dad that's let you down a hundred time vibe going on. Sure. He shows up and Rory's like, he's different this time. I think he's like a good dad now suddenly. 
Yeah, apparently he's never been to Stars Hollow. Yeah, that seems a little weird. That does seem weird. But they also say he calls like once a week, which seems like a lot, I think, considering how much they make him seem like a bad dad. Probably a teenage daughter doesn't want to hear her dad every day on the phone. Yeah. But the dad's back and he's like, my business is like about to be awesome. I'm about to be rich. And Laura's like, like, yeah, but like you say that a lot. And he's all like, no, but this time. And she's like, yeah, but you said this time last time. He's like, yeah, 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 but this time, this time. And she's like, yeah, 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 but maybe not again. And Rory's like, hey, can you come to my friend's baseball game tomorrow? And he's like, friend. And she's like, yeah, friend. Boyfriend. So he's like, sure, I'll take you because I'm a good dad. See, everybody? I want to know if he fixes her water because he comes down. He's like, that's the worst shower ever. I'm going to fix it tomorrow. And that line sort of told me like, oh, you're a, I'm going to do this thing for you later. That's good. And then maybe doesn't do the thing. Mm. So the next day, Rory takes her dad to the baseball game. There's a small little gathering of, I'm doing air quotes right now, of an audience or fans, including one guy who just hurls insults. It's Kirk. Yeah, it's supposed to be funny, but it's really like, no, dude, you that's stop. That's not okay. Like someone would punch you at this point. He makes a pretty homophobic joke and then just like scampers away. But Dean meets Rory's dad. He's like, oh, that's Rory's dad. That's so cool. That's it in that scene. <laughs> so the next scene is Lorelai at the end going into the kitchen to get some coffee. That's like how every scene at the end starts. And Suki and Michelle are having a big laugh about some joke we never know about and then immediately go back to snipping at each other. And then Suki's like, tell me all about whatever's on your mind, Gilmore. Lorelai does a lot of monologues about her life as soon as she goes into this back room, doesn't care at all what Suki's thinking about her life. But I guess Suki wants to know everything. Yeah. So we learn here that Lorelai's like, clearly attracted to Christopher. Yeah, and she says this weird thing about like, yeah, he went to take my shirt off. He asked her to take her shirt off, I think. Yeah, and then Suki's like, what? You sound smooth. And Laura like does a thing. I have no idea what this means. Did he actually try to take her shirt off? Yeah, she said it was like a hello kind of thing. We really don't know what the context for this was. Suki seems to understand, but I think she might be pretending. Yeah, like maybe he like, was a little gropey and was doing it as a joke or was a little gropey like, hey, we used to be really close. Let's be close. I don't understand what happened here. Yeah, that's my guess is she was like, hey, do you want some coffee? And he was like, how about you take your shirt off? It's sort of like a crude we're pals joke, but we have had sex. That's all I can come up with. I don't know. It seems weird that they don't address what this is because it's very sexual harassmenty. And it was like, well, what actually happened? But they I do have a weird relationship. So who knows? Who knows? All I know is that everybody in this room knows every single secret Lorelai's ever had. Mm-hmm. Because she comes in here to talk to Suki, but there's always like 10 other guys just cooking, so they know too. It'd be nice if they weighed in on advice sometimes. Rory's taking her dad throughout the town. Uh, then Patty shows up. She's just like, oh, hello, Christopher. I'll dance on a cake for you. And she pulls out her ancient phone and then tells the whole town about, there's a hot guy here. Calls like everyone to tell people that Rory's dad is in town. And then we go to like... A bookstore and Jackson and Andrew were there and they already knew Christopher was in town, even though it's been like one minute. This scene was really funny when he's like saying what people have been saying about him. Like, oh, you don't look like Brad Pitt. You look more like uh, George Clooney. So Chris is like, hey, Rory, I want to buy you a big expensive gift to show you that I love you through material possessions. And Rory's had her eye on this huge dictionary. God, Rory's such a loser. God, Cordelia would hate her. I know. I love you, Rory. I'm kidding. You love Rory? I know she's young, but it's just... She's with Dean. Is she? Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> so he goes to buy her this dictionary, whips out his credit card, but uh-oh. It's declined. And he's like, don't tell mom, which seems suspicious. 
On their way out of there, they run into Jackson, and he's describing Christopher's looks. This is funny, but he says he's got a money nose. What is a money nose? Does that mean he does cocaine? Right? Like, people roll up dollars and snort cocaine? I don't know, because I don't do cocaine, but That's I've heard That's like a about weird it. way to describe someone's looks, though. Yeah, does it just mean, like, he's got, like, blue blood? You know, he, like, comes from aristocracy with he's that nose? big nostrils? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know either. Can you guys tell us what a money nose is? Yeah. And then he runs away real weird. Yeah. Jackson does. He, like trots down the street it's, it's insane he, he ran like in a like a cartoon where the characters like legs like go wah, 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 and then they like take off i feel like that's what he looked like this is the second time jackson's like run away downtown he ran away from suki <laughs> in a different episode then we see lorelei at luke's she explains to him that christopher's in town christopher and rory show up and emily calls she's got news christopher's parents are in town his also rich fancy parents that they all broke up with when Lorelai got pregnant, aren't going to be in town, and everyone's coming to Friday night dinner. So everyone's dreading this. No one wants to go to this. We know there's going to be issues with Christopher and his parents. We're sort of alluding to his parents are a bit much. So everyone's excited. There's martinis for everybody. Richard is, like, clearly excited that the whole fam's back together. Parents are very chummy with Christopher. Yeah, they love Christopher. They're so excited about his new business that he says is so successful, he almost... Doesn't want to talk about how successful it is. Rory's grandparents are about to arrive. They haven't seen her since she was like a toddler. She doesn't know what to call them, how to act around them. When they do show up, she curtsies. There's a hilarious part in this where they're talking about Rory and they're like, Rory's like such the conversationalist. She'll give you a run for your money. Go ahead. Do it, Rory. (laughs) Like, what's Rory supposed to say? Yeah, Rory is smart, but... Anxious Rory trumps smart Rory, I think. She just, like, can't start a conversation with a stranger. Yeah, this is super funny. I thought the actress did a great job of this awkwardness and not knowing what to say. But also, forget all that. Like, even if you were like, hey, this dude is a genius, you should talk to him. Like, what are you supposed to do as the genius? Just start quoting figures? My parents do this stuff to me, like, all the time. I remember one time they had some friends over. The friends were in their car leaving I show up and my parents go, oh, this is our son. He's a comedian. Brian, show them. I'm like, they, they're in their car leaving. They don't want me to do comedy right now. No. Yeah, I think what people don't understand is like stand-up comedy specifically is meant to be on the stage with a bunch of people laughing, not just like one awkward person that has anxiety telling a joke that they've put their heart and soul into to two people that probably won't even get it. Yeah. Like, in a, when you're doing stand-up to a crowd, maybe not everybody gets the joke, but, like, half of them might. Right. We confirm that she is 16. I've been wondering about this for a while because we see her birthday. They don't say how old she is. But before that birthday, she drove to school, and that's when she got hit by the deer. So she must have been 15 when she did that. That deer knew she shouldn't have been driving. I guess. That makes more sense because she seemed shocked that Lorelai was telling her to drive that day. So I'm glad I know she's 16 now. Strobe is like, oh, 16's a dangerous age for a girl, which is clearly a comment directed at Lorelai because she got pregnant. Who would say that? I mean, it's just like, dude, stop being an asshole. You've been here for like 10 seconds. Yeah, so they're just like saying all kinds of pointed comments at Lorelai, like asking her if she's happy with how her life turned out. And she just like starts saying she hates President Bush. (laughs) Which from today, looking back, is so funny. This would have been pre-9-11. He just got elected. This is pre-9-11, pre-Donald Trump. (laughs) It's just like, like, oh, yeah, I guess people like had political people they didn't like back then. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just so funny. They clearly do like Bush. I don't even know if we know who Lorelai likes. She just wanted to change the subject. And she said he has got like a face that's too small for his head. And Francine was like, what a weird thing to say. Why would you say something like that? I agree with her, actually. 
But yeah, he just gets real mean about Lorelai's past. Yeah, I mean, he just starts immediately bringing up the fact that she ruined his son's life by getting pregnant and not marrying him. And then, you know, Richard starts to be like, you know, it was two mistakes. It wasn't just her. And he's like, no, it's her. And then, yeah, Richard goes like beast mode. We never see him do that. Mm-hmm. He's like right in his face like, you're getting out of my house. You're not leaving. You're getting kicked out. You suck. I kill you. Yeah, he like grabs him. But he says nice things too. He yeah. says that Lorelai's very successful at what she does. And I'm kind of like, oh, that's nice. So then the family's like, we're not doing dinner. We're all going to different rooms to sulk. Richard's in his office. This scene reminded me a lot of a scene from a couple episodes ago where Rory had spent the night with Dean. And when she came home, her mother was defending her to Emily. So it seemed a lot like that, where Lorelai's coming in to thank her father for defending her. And Mm. her father's like, no, 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 no. I'm mad at you still. He's all mad about like how she cut them out of their life. And it was just like totally unfair to them and that despite everything, they didn't deserve that treatment and that Emily had like stayed in her bed for like a week. I think Richard like clearly really loves his wife. And so like the idea that his wife was so hurt, like hurt him so yeah. much, uh, which was, this is really nice because we never seen this side of her father. Right. Richard really like gives us his worldview. Uh, clearly he has like a sense of duty over personal satisfaction. Yeah. And hasn't considered like, well, maybe she didn't want that life, even if she wasn't pregnant. Yeah. He's more like, it's black and white. There's things you need to do if you make a mistake. Mm-hmm. That informs every other decision he's made. And he's probably made tons of decisions because of duty as opposed to like what he wants to. Meanwhile, Emily and Rory are in the kitchen. She reminds Rory that like, despite everything that just happened in front of her, none of this is about Rory's like existence. Yeah, it was nice from Emily. It was mm-hmm. nice scene. And then she gives her a cold ass plate of food, even though in that same episode you were just talking about where Emily yelled at Lorelai about Rory. Emily insisted on heating up a burrito for Lorelai and that she couldn't eat it cold. What must have happened is everyone went to separate rooms and like didn't interact for like long stretches of time. Right. Because Lorelai and Christopher are on the balcony and they're like, oh, this is where we got pregnant. And they're like, oh, cool, let's do it again. And they start having sex. Cut to Luke standing outside of his diner waiting for something. Lorelai was supposed to paint with him. This was said in the last episode. She was going to get out of Friday night dinner early and meet Luke to paint his diner. Yep. Luke's so sad. Yep. Then it's like 30 minutes later and Christopher and uh, Lorelai, they've done the deed. Mm -hmm. She's pregnant again. No. I just assumed this guy was just soups fertile. Uh, But anyway. If you hear a baby crying, it's not ours and we didn't make it cry. It's probably one of Chris's. I mean, this dude is so good at getting this done. We can't make it stop. The baby or Christopher's sperm. He's got that smile. The timeline of this party doesn't make sense. So right after the big fight, Emily goes with Rory into the kitchen. Lorelai goes to her dad's study. He just like immediately goes in there and sits and reads, I guess. That's what he does. she goes in there to talk to him. Uh, And then Christopher just decides to hang out by himself for a while. Yeah, I did wonder where he went. Maybe he like went and drank somewhere by himself. Yeah. But then Lorelai and Christopher have sex for half an hour on the balcony. What's happening during this time? Rory's eating her potatoes. And Emily's just sitting there talking to her? Isn't she like maybe like, where's my daughter? Yeah. I imagine that that was happening during the sex. But wouldn't Rory be like, I want to go talk to mom? I also thought that, yeah. I want to talk to my dad because he's only here for a little bit. I wish they wouldn't have said it was half hour. If it was like 10 minutes, I would have bought it. God, can you imagine having sex for that long? I'm not putting that in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing she just was like, they're probably banging. I know my mom. I do think she maybe figured that out eventually when they didn't want to tell her where they were on the car ride home. Oh, she knew for sure what happened. And that must be really, maybe that's why Rory was so upset because she knew that she had a sister coming and she's going to be replaced. Well, 
You never know. She must feel like a burden. She knows she kind of ruined her parents' lives. Her grandparents clearly all feel that way. They're telling her it's fine, but like, I don't, that's kind of traumatizing. Yeah, I can only imagine. So sorry if any of you are Rory's, but know that you're loved by your Lorelai and your Christopher. So the next morning, Lorelai wakes up with a start. And I assume at first it's just because she slept in as his like a running device in the show. But really, she just remembers that she was supposed to paint with Luke. So she runs there in her pajamas to beg his forgiveness. He's having no part of it. Lorelai goes back home. Christopher's pouring coffee and asks her if she wants some. And she says no. And he's like, whoa, I know you well enough to know that's bad. So then they recap everything that's happened in the episode so far for some reason. <laughs> yeah. This was clearly like, hey, guys, uh, that was we just had a commercial. Here's everything that's happened. It There's was a, a lot. lot. <laughs> Christopher kind of proposes. He's like, hey, let's get married. And she's like, yeah, but your business sucks. And he's like, ah, what? But she's mad at him for making her daughter lie. And we find out he lied the entire night at the party because his business hasn't been going well for a while. Yeah. And he knew that. I think she kind of figures that out based on the credit card. But maybe she just knows him well enough to know he was probably lying about that the whole time. But then we're like, shoot, this guy's not trustworthy. But he's like... You're my soulmate. It's always you. And like, I do want this for them. I don't know, man. I just, to me, he seems very like con manny. Like, yeah. He, they do have like some chemistry. I don't want to say that this is who I want her to be with for sure, but like, I, I enjoy when they're together. I like their chemistry. I think he has better chemistry than Luke. And I think because they never really were together, I want them to be together. Mm hmm. But it also just seems so convenient. Yeah. And also he's a liar. I don't like liars. So essentially Christopher's like, well, if you're not going to marry me, then I'm going to leave and start a new business to fail somewhere else. So he's starting to leave. It he wasn't tells- that aggressive. He just kind of nicely leaves. <laughs> it's true. You're right. Yeah. They don't exactly say it, but Rory I kind of figures out that he asked her to marry him. And she's like, can we, mom? Which makes sense. I feel like every kid wants their parents together. Yeah. But Lorelai's like, no, you got to trust me. This is for the best. He wants things he's not ready for. Really labeling the character. So then Lorelai breaks into Luke's diner and paints it for him. And I think they're okay now? Yeah, so they're probably going to get together. Maybe. What could happen in the next episode of Better Than That? Speaking of which, then we watched Star-Crossed Lovers and Other Strangers. So this episode's about a lot. Is that the tagline for Gilmore Girls? Because it should be. Like, Gilmore Girls. There's a lot going on. Sometimes it's pretty simple. Well, in this episode, it's about like Lorelai being sad about her love life and some complications that have arisen. Uh, And also, it's Rory and Dean's three-month anniversary, and they're going to do something very special. Yeah. But it doesn't all go the way it's supposed to. No. So the episode opens with like some narration from uh, Mrs. fucking Claus. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Did you mean Miss Patty? Mrs. fucking Claus? (laughs) <laughs> I'm just trying to remember her name. And you came up with Mrs. <laughs> fucking Claus when you said her name correctly 20 minutes ago? I'm not great with names, uh, but you're right. It is, is it Patty? It's Miss Patty. Right. So the episode opens with a narration from uh, Miss Patty about the history of this town and the celebration of Stars Hollow Founders Day. It's about two star-crossed lovers, which is important for this episode. And then uh, she just starts talking about cage dancing. To the children, who she's been telling the other story to. Yeah. Blackout cut to opening theme. So the next scene is Dean and Rory talking about this book that Rory's making Dean read. It's a Tolstoy. Tolstoy. You try saying it. It's hard. Tolstoy. Tolstoy. A Tolstoy. 
this Tolstoy book that he's reading for her. And he's complaining about it and how he can't get into it. But he's like done with this book. Like if you look where his finger is, he's like at the end of this book and he's like, I'll give it another chance. It's like, why don't you just finish the 25 pages you got left? You've already read all of it. Yeah. Uh, but he mentions this is a three-month anniversary, which is news to Rory. And he's got something really big planned, and he needs her to get Friday off. And she's like, I can't. And he's like, it's such a big thing I have planned for you. You've got to. And she's like, okay, I will, because I have feelings for you. So at home, Lorelai wants to cook, like, all the cooking shows, which means she's making Hamburger Helper. Yeah, they're having a hard time with that. Is Lorelai unable to cook? Is that a running bit? I mean, they show? definitely get takeout a lot. They do. Hamburger Helper's pretty basic. Yeah. But this is where we find out that she's missing Max? Yeah, Rory says, like, what's wrong, Mom? Is it because you're missing Max Medina? And she's like, yeah, I am. And we're like, what? what? You just slept with your ex-boyfriend, like, last episode. That was, like, last week. And you're pining for Luke a whole bunch in the previous episodes. Like, yeah, they did leave the Max Medina relationship pretty, like, this'll be back, everyone. But... It's a weird thing for Rory to be like, oh, you know what? I know what it is. It's this thing from forever ago that we have not been talking about. Yeah, I mean, maybe Rory's not aware of Luke being a romantic interest. But she knows that her mom just slept with her dad and he asked her to marry him right. a week ago. Yeah, so you wouldn't think Rory's go-to would be like, oh, she must be sad about the guy she was dating the longest ago. Yeah. And for us, it just felt weird, too. It felt like they were trying to remind us of Max. Yeah, it'd be one thing if she's like, hey, mom, why are you down? She's like, well, you know, I was actually thinking about Max. Right. When really, she would be more conflicted about Luke and Christopher right now. Especially since there's been no contact. Like, if she saw him at a bus stop or something, yeah, sure. But Rory asks her mom if she can get her out of Friday night dinner, and Lorelai's like, good luck with that. And then the boom comes into the shot real hard. Yeah, <laughs> the show is not good with booms. I, almost every episode, there's like a guest appearance from the boom. It should be in the credits. Right. It's in it more than Richard. Yeah, I know, right? So Lorelai calls Emily, and Emily is surprisingly cool with Rory not coming? What's Suspicious. that about? Okay, I need to tell you guys what happened next. So Rory's at school. They're all looking at Tristan making out with a girl in front of some lockers. But Brian decided to pause the TV to try to remember Paris's friend's name. First guess was Melanie and Topanga. <laughs> okay, I knew it wasn't Topanga. That was sort of like a Hail Mary, like, that's not right. It was but... a joke. It was a joke. And he's like, is one Meredith? And I'm like, no. And then he said, Florentine? <laughs> And this then I gave him true. a hint, because we have a friend who has the same name as one of these girls. So I was like, I don't know how you're forgetting that one. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Madeline and Topanga. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we figured it out. You know their names now, right, Brian? Madeline, obviously. Right. So. And? Lauren? It's pretty close. You can call her Lauren. Lori? Closer. Laurelyn? <laughs> it's uh, Louise. Come on. Enough with these crazy names. It's a weird name for a young girl, I would say. Okay, okay. Guys, I remembered Madeline after some prodding. So Tristan's making out with this girl. They, they hate Tristan. all have to team up to get that to stop so they can get into their lockers. Why and is then... Tristan and his girlfriend so much taller than everybody else? But she says something to Paris like, you'd be much better looking with bangs. God, she's such a Cordelia. I have to say, I got glasses very young. I was the first in my class to get glasses. Sixth or seventh grade, I was talking about getting contacts. And these girls I was friends with were like, no, you should keep your glasses because otherwise there's nothing really interesting about your face. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so I have bangs now because my self-esteem got pretty fucked up at a young age. Yeah. Thank God. She looks great in those bangs. I do look at my bangs. <laughs> and 
it, it worked out okay for me. You look beautiful. Thank you, baby. You know I feel that way. I know. And I don't care what everyone else has been saying. I think you are just gorgeous. Okay. <laughs> I think the whole point of the scene is Madeline is having a party and she invites everyone. I think that's the only reason we saw any of this. Just to remind us that these are characters and they're going to be in the next episode. So everybody's in love. You know, Tristan and his girlfriend with no name. Mm-hmm. And Lorelai is just walking through town and everyone's making out. At the inn, Suki's making out with... Uh, Jackson. Yeah, Lorelai came to talk to Suki and she's making out. How are we supposed to know what Lorelai's thinking in this episode? She needs someone to monologue to. Ugh. She tries Michelle, but even Michelle has a date. What's going on? Yeah, so she's walking through town. Love is just all around her. The, like, star from the festival falls and almost kills her. So she's like, I know, I'll go to my old friend's own buddy, Luke, and talk to him. And she's having a nice flirt with Luke. I gotta say, I don't feel bad for Lorelai. She could make out with Luke across that counter if she wanted to. Yeah. If she makes 10 phone calls, nine guys will show up to make out with her. You yeah. just gotta pick someone, Lorelai. Everybody wants you. She's the one that told Max at first, like, we can't date. And then he almost gets fired, so he isn't with her. She tells Christopher we can't get married. That was fair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, like, she's been stringing Luke around for, like, forever. They overhear Miss Patty, or Mrs. Claus, as some like to call her. <laughs> They're arguing about the festival, and Luke and Lorelai bond over how much they hate this festival and just, like, how much they love hating things in general, and they're having a cute moment flirting about hating. And then walks in the most beautiful woman on the planet. Did you think so? No, but I did think she was very pretty. I'd say she's just as pretty as Lorelai. And then Luke is doing his, like, uh, emotions can't process them mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's a broken man, by the way. He's emotionally unstable. He, it's Rachel. Oh, my God, Rachel's back. And she just sits down, total vag block. Rachel's like, oh, hey, Luke, do you mind if I just, like, sneak in here in front of Lorelai and sort of, like, take up all your attention? Is that okay? I'm sorry I'm so pretty, everybody. And Lorelai's like, oh, shit, I'm Lorelai. And Rachel's like, cool, cool. Oh, I don't mean to interrupt you. I can just leave, guys. Or did you want me to stay, Luke? Looks like stay. And Lorelai acts real dumb around her, like just blabbering on about the new coffee pot at work. Yeah, and Rachel's like, oh, I was just doing some like journalism about like Palestine and important things. So Lorelai runs home. I don't know if she ran, but she leaves. Yeah, she didn't run like Jackson. That would have been a whole scene. Right. But she's getting Rory ready for her date. Again, talking about how much she misses Max and indicates she had a naughty dream about him. Lane shows up. She's got a date with an entire Korean family. Yeah, that's funny. I love that Lane just shows up whenever she wants in this house. I kind of don't buy that there's that many Korean people in this town. It does not seem super diverse. So Rory goes on this date, and it's going to be great. And it is great. She's so pumped. She's having a ball. She can't wait for the next three-month anniversary. She Even the it. Coke was good. And this is just Coca-Cola. She doesn't have, like, a money nose. Right, right, right. And then Dean's like, the night's not over yet. I got to show you something else. And he takes her to a junkyard. And I'm like, Dean's going to kill her. Then he shows her this like half put together junker car and he's like, I'm building you a car. Brian, I love you. I would never drive a car that you built for me. You should not. It's not going to be stable. He's a child. How do we know he can build a car? Yeah, I would not let my daughter ride in some 17 year old created car. No, 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 no. Uh, But, you know, they're super excited about it and she's just in love with him. Well, maybe not. He says, I love you. And then she's like, oh, interesting. I got to think about that. Right. She says she loves the car. This is tough. It was not hard for me to say I love you at 16. I feel like I threw that around pretty willy-nilly. So it seems kind of intense that she doesn't say it. But if you think about it, she's probably got some real commitment issues. Yeah. And like her parents fell in love so soon and like threw their lives away, supposedly. 
So I, I get there's a lot of baggage with that, probably. Oh, totally. I'm actually on Rory's side. I don't throw that word around. Like, I've told you, what, two, three times now? Yeah, in the, the last, last 10 years. 10 years. Um, like, I don't That's throw that word. That's not true. He, he loves me. <laughs> yeah, I totally love you. Your face is so interesting. Yeah. Um, I get it, though. Like, I didn't throw this word around. Like, I felt like if you say it, it's like committing a lot. It means so much. Right. Um, he doesn't take it well. And I understand that. Like, he's just like, well, then we're going to... I can't even. Yeah, I do think he overreacts a bit, though, because she, I don't know, maybe she could have, like, explained herself better, but he also needs to just respect that maybe she doesn't feel that. I don't know. I don't know. It's complicated. It's messy. Love is messy. He just built her a car. I could see him being upset, but I would be more like, I don't know. I feel like she could say that word means a lot. I'm not saying I'm not going to say it to you. I just, I've never said it before. Yeah. And if she had said that to him, I think he might be like, well, okay, I, I hope you say it soon, you know. So but, this date is over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lorelai is having a real awkward dinner with her parents, especially Richard. She just, like, slammed a bunch of coffee before she went in. So she's just, like, rambling and saying a bunch of nonsense. I, I think it was maybe the coffee. Yeah, maybe. They, they did show us that she had a big coffee, and Emily was upset about it. Yeah, because she was just, like, talking so fast and was insane. It just seemed very weird. I think she was nervous about talking with her dad because the last time they talked, they had a big fight. Yeah, the last time that she was with Richard, she had a big fight with him. So, obviously, she's missing Max Medina. Uh, (laughs) Her dad is in a weird mood, but Emily has invited a suitor for Lorelai. Richard didn't know this guy was coming, and it took us a really long time to understand how Richard was feeling about this guy. We both watched the scene and had a completely different take, and we had to rewatch it to see it from each other's point of view. Yeah, and I'm still not sure. It's not clear if Richard is upset that he's got to, like, promote his daughter to this guy because he's mad at his daughter. But maybe he's excited that his daughter might be dating a businessman. Or it's not clear if he's like, this guy sucks, and I'm on my daughter's side reluctantly right now because I hate this dude. Yeah, and I've got to entertain now, and I thought I was just going to have a nice sulky night or I could read my newspaper alone, and now this guy's here. I really wish Suki was, like, in the kitchen and Richard could, like, walk in there and just, like, tell the audience what he's feeling, as is the show's prescription. But Lorelai takes Emily aside and was like, oh, so this is why Rory didn't have to come. You wanted to do this. And Emily points out that Rory's off celebrating her three-month anniversary. What's the last time you've been in a relationship that long? It's so mean. Oh, snap. Ooh, she got her. Ooh, ooh. But yeah, this guy sucks. I hate him so much. I think we're supposed to. Yeah, I don't know if this is like Rune's best friend or like this guy sucks. He's like saying all the right things. Like he sounds like he has a good job and he's doing well, but he's just so dull. He looks like that Leonardo DiCaprio like laughing at somebody holding a drink like meme come to life. Mm -hmm. Like that's what this guy seems like. Emily seems into it, but now it's clear that Richard is not. And Emily's like, wink, wink, why don't you two go to the living room while I clean for the first time in my life? Yeah. And Lorelai's like, sure, sure. But she goes up to her bedroom and escapes out her balcony. But Richard goes looking for Lorelai, sees her escaping. She's like, hi, daddy, please don't tell. And he doesn't. He like yells to Emily, oh, she's not up here. So that was cute. They're maybe on the same team now? Yeah, I mean, I think he he loves his daughter and he's mad at her still. But like, you know, at the end of the day, he knows this guy sucks and that it's a waste of time for her to be there. And it's maybe hurtful for her to be there. So he's just going to nip it in the butt now. Yeah. Which, Lorelai, it's like, why don't you just deal with it for a day? You know, like, this is going to make things bad. Yeah. You know your mom's going to be pissed. This dude's going to be pissed. I don't think we care about this dude at all. 
well, this dude's, I'm team this dude. Is this Tristan's dad? Like, I hate this guy so much. <laughs> We're back at the festival. Everyone's having a great time. Sugi and Jackson are happy. Luke and Rachel have a conversation about what the hell she's doing here. And she's all like, I just missed you. I don't know. I'm weird about commitment, Um, but maybe you should try to be with me. And he's all like, mm, okay, I'll think motions. She asks him what's up with Lorelai, and Luke admits that there's like maybe something. He doesn't mm-hmm. really understand why they're not connecting. Luke feels how the whole audience feels. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. It seems like it should be happening, but it's not. Uh, then Lorelai shows up and like sits next to him while Rachel's grabbing a drink. She asks Luke, what's up with Rachel? And he's like, I don't know. I'm probably going to try to hook up with her. That's funny. They have this like real coy conversation. Like mm-hmm. they don't say it, but it's basically like, what does Rachel being here mean for us now? Because right. yeah. we're not a thing really, but like we both know something's happening. And, but um, he's essentially like, I'm going to try to be with Rachel. Yeah. He goes to find her and he like taps Lorelai's leg in like a real, but if you want to go have sex in my truck, we could also do that way. That is not what I picked up on that. I did. I thought it was more like, a, well, buddy, we're buddies now. It was like a fist bump to her knee. Yeah, but it felt like he wanted to caress it, but he forced himself to make a fist. If you have feelings about this knee tap, contact us. I'm sure Luke did and could not process them. So Lorelai goes home and decides to call her old buddy Max. Who she's been missing ever since, I don't know, whatever. This morning. Yeah, since she woke up late. (laughs) So she's calling Max Medina and then, boom, Rory comes home crying and she's like... The boom was in the shot? No, the boom wasn't in the shot. This is too important a scene. Rory says, we broke up. Lorelai runs up to it, grabs her. Boom, to be continued. It doesn't say that, but I mean... The boom was in that shot? The boom comes out and says, guys, next week's going to be crazy. Brian, what were your feelings when you saw that? I wanted to watch the next episode. Oh, I love that about you. Yeah, it was good. There's emotion in this. Yeah. Although, if I'm being honest, I don't want Dean to be a long-term love interest. He's too blah. Oh, interesting. He's like a good boy, but like blah. Like, I just don't care about him at all. I don't like hate him. He's not a Tristan, but... Mm-hmm. So what do you think about these episodes? Do you think these are good episodes, Stace? I do. These were both very good. A lot's happening, like you said, but like great drama. Uh, I really liked that fight at the Friday night dinner. I loved all the Richard stuff. I don't like that Rachel's back. I, I just, that's, it's making it all very complicated and I wish she wasn't there. Yeah. But it was good TV. It was great TV. I feel like we had good episodes all around. I feel it was like just three great hours of shows. Which episode was better? Gilmore Girls or Buffy? It's, it's really tough, honestly. It's very um, tough. That was a good Buffy. It was, it was a, good a good Buffy. Buffy. And the Gilmore Girls were both good episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I do have some issues with some of the Gilmore Girls ones that make them like in a vacuum aren't perfect. But I, I mean, I think I would have to go, and maybe this might be a sandwich one. Mm-hmm. I think this, the date one is, is better. Does no, I don't Gilmore know. Girls I don't know. I, I liked the big family fight they had in the episode before. I think Gilmore Girls was better. I'm just going to say it. It was a really good Buffy, but I think, I think I liked the Christopher episode more, but both were good. Yeah. I, and I, I think they're maybe both better than that Buffy. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, you, I agree. They are both better than Buffy. I was very gripped by Gilmore Girls all the way through. I think the Gilmore Girls come up on top because there was emotion in the episodes. You know, like this is emotions from several episodes like culminating. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the Buffy episode had cool stuff, had creepy stuff, but there was no emotion in it. We don't care about this new girl really. Right. I will say it's maybe the best Buffy episode I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. But we talked about this. Gilmore Girls season one is better than Buffy season one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. a very good Gilmore Girls episode is probably still going to be better than the best Buffy episode. Yeah. We'll see about the finale. But uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see about the finale. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah, I guess the Gilmore Girls are on top. But I don't know. There was a good Buffy episode too, though. I'm not taking anything away from Buffy. I liked it a lot. 
We'd love to hear your thoughts about either or both of these episodes, or either of both of us. Yeah, or whatever you think of the podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes if you can, or a five-star rating. We'd love more people to know about our podcast. You can answer these questions or ask some of your own by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Gilmore Slayer. You can also follow us at, at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. Or send us an email at Brian and Stacy reviews at gmail.com. Also, we're on TikTok now. That's also Gilmore Slayer if you want to check that out. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy, where we review all kinds of things. And we both have a show coming up on the 26th. Yep. Uh, I still don't know what time it is, unfortunately, but follow us on social media and I'll post about it there. How about? Yeah, follow us on that. If you want to watch along next time, we'll be watching again two episodes of Gilmore Girls, season one, episode 17, The Breakup Part 2, which we probably will watch immediately after this. Yep. As well as episode 18, The Third Lorelei. What? I told you. And we're watching the Buffy movie. What? We're going to be doing the Buffy season finale at the same time we do the Gilmore Girls season finale. So for the next couple weeks, we're doing a couple weird Buffy things. We're going to watch the movie. We're going to watch the unaired pilot. So it'll be a little weird, but fun for us. All right, Brian. Well, I'm hungry and I have a meeting to get to. Yeah, let's get some food into that interesting face of yours. Oh, that's the sweetest (laughs) thing you've ever said to me.